Welcome to the Decipher podcast. In this episode, Colin Wilson of Opus talks to us about insolvency with an introduction from Decipher CEO, Paul Gibbons. Colin tells us how an insolvency practitioner can help, as well as telling us why you should get them involved early and looking at options for recovery. My name is Paul Gibbons and I am the founding director and chief executive of Decipher Consulting. Some research from Statista Research Department published on the 6th of April of this year suggested that insolvencies in the construction sector of Great Britain soared in 2022 to over 4,332 cases. This was up from 2,733 cases in 21 and up again from 2,175 cases in 2020. Some further research from the Red Flag Alert, which was published in January 23, suggests that the UK construction sector is facing a challenging year this year with over 6,000 expected company insolvencies with 300 million in debt. And this is expected to increase to 1 billion in 2024. And so with unpaid bills putting pressure on staffing and supply chain with a legacy from COVID, alongside current interest and inflation rate pressures, things can only get worse, but hopefully they will get better in due time. Colin Wilson from Opus. Colin will look at the insolvency through the lens of the practitioner. Colin is a founding member of Opus Restructuring, which was established 10 years ago. He's over 25 years of experience in the restructuring and insolvency sector, and his core discipline is insolvency, but he specializes in corporate recovery, including administration, bankruptcy, compulsory liquidation. At Opus, His focus is to deliver partner-driven services to small and medium-sized enterprises. And the group offers support with both financial and operational challenges. So again, welcome, Colin, to this event today. Thank you for joining us. Without further ado, then I'll pass on to uh, Colin, who's going to provide us uh, his thoughts through the lens of the practitioner. So Colin, over to you, please. I'll run you through a few points on how we see the market, options for recovery, and um, maybe indicators of when things, of what to do when things are going wrong. You've heard some statistics from Paul. We use a data analyst company watch, so there might be slight variances in the figures, but they're not material. I think overall it, uh, it shows the same picture of what is happening in this sector. Construction output was 122 billion in 21, which recovered from the depressed levels of 108 billion in 2020. Um, of course, we had the, the COVID side of things, which, uh, which will explain that variance, but it's still over 5% below 2019 pre-pandemic levels. Construction industry accounts for 7% of total UK GDP and employs 2.15 million people which is the equivalent to about 7% of the workforce. A higher proportion of the workforce is self-employed than in most sectors, and the total assets employed in construction are now over $200 billion with a net worth of $85 billion. So as you see, quite a significant factor in the market. And the sector borrows $29 billion overall. We want to look at managing the risk within the sector. Over a third of companies were in the company watch warning area with a health rating of 25 or less out of a maximum of 100. A company watch operate on each scale between 0 and 100. The construction sector sits around about the 40 mark, but uh, as it says, over a third of them are have a rating of 25 or less. Statistics for the past 25 years confirm that at least one in four of these businesses will fail or need major financial restructuring during the next three years. As said, the average age score for the whole sector is only 40 out of 100, which is well below par and lower than shown by the 
previous data in 2020 where the age score was 42. So there has been a decline in uh, in the strength of businesses in the construction centre. 10% of the companies are what we refer to as zombie companies with negative balance sheets where liabilities exceed their assets at least to, to a de minimis level of 10 grand. Their combined balance sheet deficit adds up to 3.1 billion. In May 2020, 9% of companies were zombies. So this risk indi- indicator has intensified from the 9% that it was to the current 10%. Looking at uh, reflection on business size, recent reviews in other sectors have revealed a major discrepancy between larger businesses and their smaller, less well-capitalized brethren. In their analysis, uh, it's segmenting the sector according to uh, total assets per company. The contrast between major players and small businesses is quite stark. The average age score for the construction entities with assets of more than 1 million is 59 out of 100, which is, uh, of course, above the, the sector average. But for the smaller businesses, the average age score is 31 course, well below the average. The, this fragmentation of financial fragility of the sector is also apparent from the starting statistic that almost half of construction companies, that's approximately 113,000, have total assets of less than 50,000. And a quarter of them, some 56,000, have total assets of less than 20,000. Of the small companies with assets of 50,000 or less, a deeply worrying 42% are in the company watch warning area. So there's quite significant financial pressures within the smaller construction companies. With regards to debt levels and repayment issues, at first glance, debt levels are not really an issue. Overall borrowings have risen in the past year by 7%. Gross gearing is only 14% and net gearing is an acceptable 34%. Unfortunately, though, the escalation in borrowings is far greater amongst smaller companies. For those with assets of less than 50,000, debt has risen by 63% in the same period. It's quite a significant increase. The steep rise reflects the the heavy use of the bounce back loans, which were introduced by the government in 2020. Out of those loans, just over 260,000 of the loans were made to the construction centre. And that amounted to 7.7 billion. And of those, that 260,000, that represents 17,000 or sorry, 17% of all loans made, which is significantly higher than the 7% that the construction sector represents in GDP. So it shows there's quite a need for those loans within this sector. And of course, now we're seeing those haven't been paid back, which is uh, causes that element of further uh, stress. With regards to business failures, as we know, financial stability is a bit of a rare commodity in the construction industry. Uh, for many years, uh, and both good and bad economic times, around 20% of all UK insolvencies have been from the construction sector. It might show stark uh, figures at the minute, but the the stats show that this has been pretty consistent over the years of where the the construction sector sits in within business failures. There the continual issues that are that are faced by the construction sector, failing workloads, labor shortages and labor rate inflation possibly some elements of labour unrest. We've seen significant material costs in inflation and also supply chain problems with the environment over the last couple of years. Energy costs, costs increasing significantly. The, the pricing flexibility, it's, it's been a much more difficult market for everyone, which has again led to cash flow problems within the sector. There are options for recovery, as I'm sure many of you are well aware. 
one thing that we would always say with regards to the insolvency process, it will always be there and there will always be insolvencies, but more so in the construction sector, it has to be seen as very much a last resort. It, uh, any insolvency process, uh, no matter how good the insolvency practitioner is, it, it invariably causes problems within the, within the supply chain. It increases costs and invariably has an adverse effect on the value of any asset that you're trying to dispose of has effectively been sold as a distressed asset. So we'd always advise that where possible, deal with the issues outside of an insolvency process because insolvency, as I say, does cause that distress element. Liquidation would be the, the more terminal of approaches and effectively means a general shutdown of the business and, and a sale of the assets. When it comes to the construction side and development side, we find that often, although it is subject to a case-by-case analysis, that administration can, can often give the, the best outcome and certainly gives the insolvency practitioner more control over the assets than what it would do in a, a law of property act receivership. That aside, and I say those, those uh, aspects are always available in the insolvency practitioner's toolbox, but more consideration should be given to the best option for bringing the company out of the distressed position, be that with a, a joint venture, with a, another party, an investor, liaising with the lender and negotiating with them as to how maybe you can improve the terms of the borrowing and anything that can assist with avoiding that insolvency process. I've often said to directors in the past, and I've seen this over the years, that so many scenarios where if we had been involved or an insolvency practitioner had been involved with the company maybe three months before they actually received that call, it gives you many more options to restructure or save the business. Too many times the insolvency practitioner will get a call on the Wednesday um, saying that the company can't pay the wages on the Friday. So it makes it a very difficult scenario to try and restructure the business to the maximum of benefit. As I say, there are the options available, although not completely limited to, are the fixed charge receivership, where the receiver would take control of the asset and realize it for the benefit of the creditors and the company, if possible. The liquidation, which is terminal, and the administration process, which gives more flexibility and being able to work out the build, complete the projects uh, and restructure the company as a possible going concern basis. What are the important things to do when you, when you see things going wrong? Stop the works on the site, understand the position and what these issues are and uh, can they be can they be corrected? You need to understand the position where your supply chain is, are the, are the payments up to date and certainly recommended uh, to get a creditor list and validate it uh, direct with subcontractors. Move to direct payments where possible. As the end user, if you're uh, using contractors, one indicator that uh, we've noticed over time is when the headcount on the site is diminishing with the uh, the contractors, it can often indicate that there's maybe financial problems within their offering. So it's important to keep a, a close eye on what is going on on the day-to-day basis of the projects if you're experiencing that distress. And it's also probably worth considering installing a project manager on the lender side to assist with uh, communications with the funder and ensuring that they're on board with everything that is going on. Keeping communication channels open is very important. We would always recommend that you speak with your accountant and ensure that as many stringent aspects in your management information as you possibly can and uh, look to balance those outputs and, and, and receivables to ensure you can maintain liquidity, particularly when you're hitting the difficult times. 
speak to your bank, as I was saying, whoever your lender is, be it PE, be it bank, what they don't like is surprises. If you do uh, liaise with them when you first experience problems, it can often be beneficial and you'll often find that they will work with you to assist in seeing through a project. Speak with advisors, insolvency practitioners, with your lawyer who specializes in this sector. As I say, the, the legal side and the insolvency side are very closely linked when it comes to, uh, to these distress scenarios. But we certainly always recommend that uh, you take advice as soon as you possibly can or see it might be necessary. I think a lot of people shy away from the insolvency practitioner because they believe it's, uh, it's almost a terminal aspect for the business. But uh, hopefully, and as I've been trying to get across, is the, the earlier you speak with an insolvency practitioner, the less likely that it will be that you'll require a formal insolvency process, albeit that sometimes it is deemed necessary. Keeping communication with your creditors, it's all good and well uh, being on side with the bank. But what we see all too often is a creditor submitting a, a statute of demand or a winding up petition, which then causes all kinds of credit issues for the company, including their, their banking facility. So it's very important to keep as up to date with uh, creditors as you possibly can. We do very much appreciate that often when the company is in financial distress, you're firefighting constantly uh, trying to probably pay he who shouts loudest, but it is important to have an analysis of your creditors and uh, make sure that uh, you can keep on top of necessary payments. That kind of ties in, but don't don't ignore the problem. Uh, it is We see it again all too often that the directors of the board, uh, they're continually fighting to keep the business alive and items slip through the cracks and causes further external problems. Again, this links in with speaking with your advisor, speaking with your lawyer, to ensure that you're covering all the bases and also the directors are acting within their fiduciary duties. And don't stop. The term I would use is uh, we often find that uh, people, when it becomes too much, they put their head in the sand. And unfortunately, that doesn't help anyone. You do need that line of communication and you do need to be speaking with everyone within the, the structure of the business, be it the bank, the suppliers, creditors, etc. How to deal with people going bust in your supply chain? This, again, is a common factor that we see. And what is very important here is once you see problems with the supply chain is secure a fresh and up-to-date scope of the works that need to be done to uh, practical completion and then retender with uh, with new contractors quickly and, and openly explain to them what the position is and the requirements are going forward. Again, this is where a, a project manager uh, lender side uh, could be very useful to help oversee the position and help with adjusting budgets and the, and the program to PC. And also important to give yourself a contingency uh, plan within that as well. We all know about the struggles of securing supply or securing that new contractor when a project goes wrong or the, the contractor finds himself in an insolvent position. There's also the issue of uh, performance bonds. So if it does become an issue with the contractor, that is an area that you should explore immediately and uh, address if you can. The supply chain is definitely easing on what it was a couple of years ago, but we should, where it's possible, look at the likes of debt insurance, which in this sector, unfortunately, over the years has become increasingly more expensive, but it, it's often available there if necessary. Managing the creditor terms and, and debt collection, just keeping on top of the debts are outstanding and uh, payments that need to be made, particularly the necessary payments. You don't want that stat demand or winding up petition landing on your door. 
again, with it, it, be mindful of alternative suppliers. If you're seeing issues with uh, your current providers, it's always good to have that backup of parties that you can turn to uh, to, to keep the, the contract going. And manage the expectations. This is uh, very much pointed towards the, the, the funder and, and even down to the, the taxman as well. Again, can't emphasize enough that it's so important to to make your your funder or uh, any creditors aware of what the position is and problems that you're experiencing. More times than enough, it, it can be resolved, again, without the need for that insolvency practitioner to be formally appointed. Thank you for your time for listening to me, and uh, I'll hand you back to Paul. Thank you, Colin. Some big takeaways there. First one for me was the statistics that you gave, some alarming ones there around the number of zombie companies that potentially are trading and and we don't know who we're trading with. Uh, And also the managing the risk. I use a key one, which is always managing expectations. And you've mentioned that at the end there. I think for yourself, as you've suggested, is timing is key. And the amount of times that we've been involved with uh, projects where if it had got us in earlier, slightly earlier, and we could have assisted them as well. So absolutely. Very much. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you for listening to the Decipher podcast. For more information, visit decipher-group.com.